You are listening to episode number 17 of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to leading your life with passion, purpose, perspective, and prosperity. Each week, we feature entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who provide powerful strategies for creating a remarkable first impression that leads to a lasting impact in your business, brand, and personal life. So come join us as we transform your mindset and teach you the lessons that you want and need to become love noteworthy. Hi everyone, I'm Reese, and today I have a really amazing topic to talk about. We're going to talk about tackling your fears, whether it be in business and in life. And so today my guest uh, speaker is Natalia, and she is a certified life coach for people who want to shine with passion, confidence, and unwavering self-respect and discover beauty, joy, and meaning. Uh, through her one-on-one coaching ses- sessions and e-products, she empowers her clients to dream big, dissolve their limiting beliefs, work through fears, and celebrate their successes as they uncover what truly lights them up. So her website is called Achieve the Impossible, and on that site, she shares extremely insightful and inspirational words to help you adore yourself and your brilliance. And her blog posts are amazing. Like, they're such an upper for people. Seriously, I've read quite a few of them, and I just feel amazing after reading them. Um, They're very self-reflective. Love it. But thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. It's uh, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank, um, thank you for this introduction. I feel very nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited about it. Um, I know, like, it's kind of one of the topics that we talk about quite a bit on just uh, really building that self confidence in yourself, whether it be in the business or life capacity. And I think that all stems from fear, right? So before we dive into the questions, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your journey of how you became a life coach and maybe explain kind of what a life coach is for those people that don't know. Absolutely. Well, my journey to life coaching probably been um, started from the moment I arrived in Canada. So I was 17 years old and I decided to go on an adventure and I moved to Canada with one suitcase and said to myself, I'm going to go study in Canada. So (laughs) from that moment on, um, since the topic of our conversation is fear, I've had a few situations in my life where I really confronted my fear and it was very challenging for me and really hard. Mm -hmm. But what happened to me a few years ago is that I was working as a sales professional in this amazing company and I had the best job, uh, almost the best boyfriend. I had all the purses and, you know, Prada shoes, whatever you want to imagine. And yet there was something in me that was saying to me that this is not right. And the way it all sort of culminated in me going to my manager and saying uh, during one of our meetings um, in that company that I don't know why I'm doing this, which was a pretty bold move considering that I was working in a sales organization. (laughs) I showed up to him in a meeting and I said, I don't know why I'm doing this job. And he was an amazing guy. His name was Dan. And he said to me, well, you better figure this out. And he said, go hire yourself a life coach. And here is a recommendation because that's what they do and at that point I had no idea who life coaches are like I didn't even know they Mm -hmm. existed and I ended up being part uh, I ended up connecting with this woman her name is Shirley Vallette she's a local gal and she 
And that's where it all sort of changed for me because from that moment on, from the first session, she really helped me to dial in into who I am and what I really mm-hmm. needed. For the first time in my life, I found myself saying, oh my God, I'm not crazy for wanting those things I want. Like I'm not insane. And that was a big thing for me. Yeah. And the second thing that she's done for me is um, she really showed me that it was possible to have this level of conversation from the little girl that I, I like from the time that when I was a little girl, all I wanted was to sit with women and talk to them. Like, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I found out, oh my God, there is like a profession for that. Like, like are you paid for this? paid for this? And yeah. because um, I, there were certain aspects of sales that I absolutely loved and like being of service and all of this. And now I found a profession where I could be of service and doing the type of service that I wanted. So that's how I ended up in life coaching. That's amazing. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background? Where were you from originally? You said that you just kind of like packed up a suitcase and moved to Canada on a whim. Tell us a little bit more about your fears when doing that. I would be terrified. Yeah, well, I was terrified, although I didn't want to admit it at that time. What happened is I grew up in Russia in a very small town called Magadan. And so if you want to imagine where Magadan is, go all the way to Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. So kind of over there, draw a line across the Pacific Ocean, and that's where Magadan is, which is in the oh. middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even take a train to that city. You can only fly, and it takes eight hours from Moscow. So I grew up in this kind of small town, and I had really big dreams, and I always was really inspired and really wanted to move and travel and all of this. And yeah, so when I was 17 years old, after graduating high school, pretty much a few months after that, I packed up my bags, and my parents said to me, okay, you want to study abroad? Then you're going to have to go and figure this out. Mm-hmm. And they gave me the money, like as much as they could afford, and I moved to Canada all by myself. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't I didn't even know how you apply to university here like because in <laughs> Russia it's all completely different. So at first I was really bright-eyed and then I arrived to Canada and very quick I was like oh my god like what did I just do? And from the moment that I sort of stepped on Canadian soil uh, to now there have been moments when it's it's been a very interesting transition into you know, Canadian culture and sort of from the moment of how am I going to, you know, figure out where I'm going to live because that wasn't arranged for me. Mm-hmm. How am I going to figure out um, how does this Canadian system, education system works, right? How am I going to speak the language? How am I going to integrate myself into the society and not constantly look like I am a weirdo, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm different and I have a, a heavy accent. Then after that, after I applied to university and kind of started to figure this out, then my fears were how am I going to stay in Canada because I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Every year I had a huge fear. What if my visa doesn't come through? What if I never find a life here? What if I never find a boyfriend here? And all those things kind of, there was a lot of fear. I'm not even going yeah. to cover this up. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Like, I think a lot of times, again, we are trained to put on this like facade where it's like, oh, I'm fearless. Like, I'm successful and blah, blah, blah. But there's all these things happening behind the scenes where you're just like, oh, shit, like, I'm terrified right now. I have no idea what's going on. So this is yeah, one. yeah. I would say that um, for the first three years when I was in Canada, my my parents had a ticket on standby because <laughs> pretty much every week I called them in tears and saying, "I want to go home. Like I can't handle Aww. this." And they were like, "We'll come back home." And I was there was just I don't know what it was like my tenacity or maybe my courage even. I would say, "No, I'm going to figure this out." And that's the only thing that got me through. To be honest with you. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's an amazing story, seriously. Um, how was your English before moving to Canada? It was okay. Um, I had a pretty thick Russian accent, you know, the oh. one we watched in the movies, and that's, that's how it was. And I definitely stood out. Let's put it this way: I could speak English because uh, my parents, from age when, from the time when I was eight, mm-hmm. um, I studied English. But obviously, you know, studying in a Russian environment and coming and kind of immersing yeah. myself into it was very different. For sure. So there were times when I was in college and they were, um, you know, talking about something and I had no clue what they were talking about. And <laughs> don't even get me started on start studying poetry, you know, in oh, English man. because yeah. it was, that was probably the, the first time I felt suicidal in my life because I just could not get it. Yeah, it's hard to pick up kind of the intonations and just like the slang and all these like weird meanings in a different language for things like I don't know it's yeah poetry is hard enough when you <laughs> speak English so yeah. I was really frustrated <laughs> and I, I don't think personally I still like just kind of to, to to share I still cannot understand rap like if I was to listen to hip-hop and rap like I still can't get it so <laughs> so I don't like, listen like to it fact about yourself yeah. I don't understand rap <laughs> yeah don't don't rap around me because I can't I, can't, I will not know what you're talking Oh, man, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> okay, so speaking about fear, um, kind of the big topic that we are going to discuss today is overcoming fear through self-awareness. But before we dive too deeply into the subject, can you perhaps explain what self-awareness is for people? I love this question, I know, by it's the way. hard. It is hard. I've actually, like, there's a lot of definitions, but mm-hmm. what I ended up, I looked at one on Wikipedia and it's by no means, you know, the standard or anything, but I'll read it. Um, and then I'll kind of add a couple of my own points. Sure. So according to Wikipedia, self-awareness is the capacity for introspection and the ability to recognize oneself as an individual separate from the environment and other individuals. So what if we kind mean? of, <laughs> what that means is essentially is self-awareness is about knowing who you are. And then understanding, and coaching we call this, understanding your values. If you're a fan of Danielle Laporte and know her work, she tells us the core desired feelings, mm-hmm. kind of knowing your truth and engaging with the world from the place of that truth instead of letting the world tell you how to live your life. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like in my mind, when I think about self-awareness, because it's something that I've been trying to exercise a lot more lately, it's just um, instead of kind of living in the moment, it's taking that step back and evaluating sort of why you do things the way you do, like what's actually motivating you to do them, why you react in certain situations like the way you do, and if it's not appropriate necessarily, or if you'd like to change it, how you can consciously like make those changes, right? Just- exactly. And just go into that place sometimes for us can be mm-hmm. deeply fearful, yeah, right? Absolutely. It can be very, very scary because our culture and society doesn't always celebrate that because what we might find out, and, and that's what happened to me, um, is that my truth is very different from what, what is celebrated in the society, yeah, right? Absolutely. So for me to engage with the world from the place of my truth, I had to really face some of my major fears and it sounds to me like that's what you are talking about as well because Mm -hmm. you're going through this process yeah it's very like self-reflective as you said um I know like kind of leading into another question uh, a lot of people kind of see themselves as passive recipients to whatever life brings so or they externalize things so instead of thinking that they're in control of uh 
kind of their environment and the ability to make themselves happy or successful um, of, or like in control of their destiny or future. They just think it's already like preset for them. So what are your thoughts on that? Is there a way that people can kind of wake up and understand how they can create a better sense of control in their lives? Well, there's, um, I have two things to say about this because yeah, sure. I'll probably spend the rest of this conversation just talking about this yeah, topic. Totally. Uh, what I'll share is that there's actually an amazing book by an author called Ajay Shanti, and, it talk, and okay. it's called The End of Your World. And what he talks about is saying that essentially we are all on the path to awakening. That's mm-hmm. predetermined. Like, you're going to wake up. The question is, are you going to work in partnership with life to wake up? Or the life is going to put you on its knees and make you wake up. (laughs) And the difference here, and I'm kind of butchering the quote, but here is like the gist of it. And the difference here, so we all heard those stories about people that their life fell apart and then they woke up, right? And they Mm -hmm. write books and they become famous and all of this, right? So this is about people, like, so this is when life kind of put people on on their knees and said, like, you're either going to get a terminal disease, you're going to lose everything, your wife is going to walk out on you. So this is like an awakening. Right. Yeah. And a lot of those people, when they write those books and share those stories, because they're very glamorous and inspiring. Right. What they do say is what brought them to this place of a forced awakening was that they for many, many years before they deeply neglected their needs. They reflected to be self-aware. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other path is what I called is being in partnership with life. So what does that look like? It's not as glamorous. You don't need to lose everything to wake up. It's about following the breadcrumbs. And the breadcrumbs look like this. I don't like my job. I'm afraid to leave my job, but I really feel it deeply in my heart that there is something off about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Or, And it's not about, it doesn't mean that you have to walk out of your job tomorrow. What it means is that you just listen to this. This is your breadcrumb that's telling you that if you explore what is it around, what is the charge around your job, that's your opportunity to wake up. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, I definitely understand it. I just, I think that it's sometimes challenging. Like I know Tony Robbins talks a lot about kind of like pain versus pleasure and that's kind of how humans operate so when there's like an extreme amount of pain so you go through this life altering experience where it's like near death or your major relationship breaks up all of a sudden that's what causes you to make take action but for the most part we're in this state of like indifference where things are good enough so we don't actually make changes because we don't want to um, I guess initiate that pain for ourselves that we need to have or induce ourselves in to like get to that next level so yeah. um, do you have strategies for sort of self-motivating yourself to make those changes when you're dissatisfied but not necessarily in that state of like super extreme pain or hurt? Yeah, so the, the metaphor that I would actually bring in is another one from Danielle Laporta. As you can mm-hmm. probably feel, probably heard me already say this. I'm a huge fan of her work. And she, what Tonya Robbins calls, like his parallel, she calls it acting from inspiration instead of motivation. So for example, when shit breaks, like like everything just falls apart, we're extremely motivated because our survival is at stake, right? So it's a flight, like it's a fight or flight instinct. And that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of the times we act out of fear. When you find out that you have a tumor in your breast, yeah, you're going to act, right? Yeah. the, The challenge is like, how do you act from inspiration and inspiration it's almost like the proactive force it's the generative force saying Mm -hmm. that you're capable of more you can do more and I say that if you're really um, the strategies that I would offer to people is to go back to that self-awareness and really listen to themselves 
a very simple strategy is to maybe dedicate three minutes a day. You don't have to go meditate in the ashram for 10 days. You don't have to even <laughs> do yoga to do this. Just spend three minutes a day to really checking in with yourself and figure out what is it that breadcrumb that's coming up for you right now? Mm-hmm. What is the real feeling you're having about something? And you don't even have to at this point do anything about it, but just be honest with yourself about how you feel. Yeah. And that can be also a very fearful place for people. Yeah, I think like one way to really emphasize that is use your smartphone or start like a journal or something like that and just write like one page in it a day or a couple bullet points just to be yeah. mindful um, yeah. and be able to reflect and look back on things. Yeah. Right. But yeah, um, there is that. Uh, journaling is a great one. Um, and also there like, read books yeah. uh, that help you do that, uh, hire a coach. There is just so many different ones. And I would say mm-hmm. for people to play around, like for me personally, like my favorite strategy for that is silence. I find that there's something about that mm-hmm. I really try to move away in my life from doing into being. And that's a very scary place for me. And I find that for me, just sitting in silence for 10 minutes, not even meditating or anything, just sitting and not have my smartphone, not my computer and all of that. Mm-hmm. That is a hugely enlightening experience for me because all of a sudden I can hear everything. Yeah, <laughs> like everything else is just shut off. And yeah. it really forces your thoughts to become top of mind, I suppose. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about fear. Um, From your perspective, sort of what is fear? Where does it come from? Um, Why is many of our instincts to create fear around things? Okay. I have, um, so what I'm actually going to talk about fear, where does it come from? It's such a great question. So, so fear comes from our brain. And if we, I'm, not a, neuros, I'm not, not a neurosurgeon or neuropsychologist, but if we kind of look at, kind of go back to psychology for this, they, um, they have this notion of old brain and the new brain. And the old brain is the brain that we kind of uh, in inherited from monkeys, you know, and from apes. It's the part of us that is fight or flight and essentially the part that gets engaged right away. So for example, if Reese walked into a room, that part that part of my brain says, okay, is she dangerous? Do I need to run away? Or do I have um, a good experience associated with her mm-hmm. so I can trust her? So that's what fear is. And then there's another part of our brain what's called like a new brain, neocortex, where that's where the part of our brain is responsible for empathy, for memory, for um, associating things and 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 kind of um, and attaching more of like the fluff around it. Yeah, so okay. what's happening with fear? So fear is the part of us. It's um, the, the best definition that I could find. It's a psychological part of us that is there to protect us from any risk. Mm-hmm. So. It doesn't mean that that risk that we encounter is necessarily bad for us because the fear cannot differentiate. The only thing it knows that if it's a risk, run away or yeah. fight, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. the only two reactions that know. Whereas the new brain, so to speak, what it knows is that, okay, well, it's a risk, but it's a, it's a good risk. It's mm-hmm. going to make me step out of my comfort zone. Um, the metaphor that my mentor uses and teacher, uh, my, my teacher and uh, mentor uses to describe this our fear is like a dog that's been given an instruction to protect us at all costs. It said, yeah. like, protect this person, don't make her leave the house. But that dog doesn't understand that sometimes you want to leave the house to get some food. Yeah. This dog doesn't understand that you need to go out and talk to people and certain people are okay people for you to, to communicate. Go to work or something. <laughs> All it knows that it needs to protect you mm-hmm. and it protects you to the best of its ability 
And but its communication skills kind of need a little work. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's so interesting. It's funny because with fear, I think um, you're totally right. Like it's just that like fight or run away kind of mentality, and uh, we have this amazing ability to kind of create logical, I guess, patterns or figure out or assess whether the risk is small enough for us to be able to actually engage in whatever the thing is that we're afraid of. But some people just have a higher risk tolerance than others. Yeah. And the reason why they probably have higher risk tolerance is because they've faced their fear enough times to know that they're not going to die. The reason why our fear protects us from risk is because there's a certain part in us believes that if, that, if I engage in this, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And for example, if I leave my job, I'll end up on the street, kind of like asking for spare change, right? <laughs> so that's like, that's what it's yeah. essentially trying to from death, right? Like a fear tries to protect us from death. So one of the questions that you asked is that you said, like, why do we create fear around certain situations? Mm-hmm. I would tend to disagree with you. I don't actually think we create fear a certain situation. Fear is an instinct. Mm-hmm. And I also don't, be- like, I also really believe, at least in my work as a life coach, that fear needs to be respected. Like white knuckling through a fear is not a good idea. Yeah. Think about your life, how many times, you know, you said to yourself, I want to leave my job, quit my job tomorrow and start my business. And if you were to white knuckle through this, it doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. fear is there. While it may not have the best communication strategies, it's actually there to tell you something about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's there for you. And, and what it's trying to tell you is like, pay attention to me. So it's actually a great source of self-awareness since we're talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Totally. Okay. That's great. That's really great. I'm like, I need to write a mini ebook to summarizes this whole talk, clearly. It's, it's okay. all gold. <laughs> um, okay, so speaking of fear or having fear in our minds, um, oftentimes like, will associate uh, being fearful or having that fear with becoming negative or bitter around a situation. Um, What are some strategies uh, from going from that kind of glass half empty mentality to a glass half full mentality when we're afraid of something? Hmm. Okay, so what I would say is, uh, uh, I don't know how this is for everyone, but in my work I noticed that the reason why when we feel bitter or resentful, when those kind of what I call them, not so nice feelings come up yeah, and yeah. shadow comes up. We call it shadow in coaching. Okay. It's those feelings that we don't necessarily like about ourselves. They're often a result of us neglecting a part of ourselves. So for example, if, um, if you feel angry, but you constantly squash your anger, then eventually it's going to start, it's still going to come out it's just come out, gonna come out in a different way. Mm-hmm. So the metaphor that I offer is the one of balloon. So for example, if you can only in, inflate balloon up to a certain point, if you imagine that you were like a balloon and you can only handle that many feelings, mm-hmm. eventually this balloon is either gonna leak or it's gonna explode. Yeah. So the strategy that I would offer for people that if they're caught up in this feeling of resentment, bitterness, and they're really feeling stuck is to start feeling your feelings. I know this is kind of like, I know maybe some of some of the readers or viewers of this interview said, well, but no, tell me what to do. Uh, <laughs> tell me what to do, how to feel my feelings. No, like there is something within you yeah. that is needs to be felt and dealt with. And one of the ways to deal with it is once again, journal about it, mm-hmm. go for a walk, 
go maybe um, do some anger releasing uh, strategies yeah. or sadness releasing strategies. And some of those things could be done in the presence of a coach or a, a qualified professionals, but essentially find a way to reconcile with these feelings or address your fear. Yeah, I've definitely found that like whenever I'm frustrated, there's kind of two different outlets that I will pursue. So one is kind of mental or spiritual and that I'll either like have those moments of silence, kind of like you said, or try and meditate or just talk to somebody about it, whether it be a coach or a friend. Um, but the other side of it is since I moved to Vancouver, I've taken up boxing and it's literally like the best release, like for your physical self to just like let out all the anger and just have an amazing workout, like feel good about yourself again and just kind of release it all on the heavy bags or hand pads. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's a wonderful strategy as long yeah. as it doesn't become a distraction from you dealing yeah, with that section, what's really going on, right? Because mm -hmm. I think exercise is a wonderful strategy for um, kind of working through our feelings as long as it doesn't become yet another distraction from turning away and communicating with people how we feel. Yeah. So brilliant. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, one of the emails that you recently sent out, there was this amazing quote, it really struck a chord with me, um, and it said, holding on to anything for too long ruins it, as, as does clinging to old ways, outdated ideals, worn out relationships and lifestyles that have run their course. Can you maybe elaborate a bit on this and give us advice on how to let go of kind of old habits? Yeah, well, the, the, where this thought or quote came from is that I'm personally in my, in my own life right now is really letting go has been a big theme for me. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm running the course and all those things that we'll talk about later. But what I've kind of come to realization is that who we are today is not who we are now. And it, just as we change, um, our beliefs and needs and relationships need to evolve as well. Mm -hmm. But what happens with a lot of us is that because fear sort of gets in the way is that there are certain things that we learned as a child, as an adult, um, as, a, as a teenager, that we carry it through. And what I'm seeing in coaching with a lot of my clients is that they may be 50 years old, yet their past and their inner kid is still showing up. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. present, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, there is a block there that sometimes our fear, like letting go of those things sometimes can become a big challenge and forces us to really face our fear, right? Because a lot of us have identities associated with some of those things we don't want to let go, mm -hmm. right? For example, how do you let go of marriage, right? This marriage may not, be may not serve you anymore, but so much of your identity is wrapped up into this, like yeah. big fear, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And or like a career that you worked in for 10 or 20 years, right? Absolutely. Or I've been a stay-at-home mom for the last 10 years mm -hmm. and now it's like I want to go back into work. So lots of lots of fears. So the thing about letting go is um, when, when my clients, I, have, I wrote a blog post a while back and I, it was titled like, why is it so hard to let go and what to do about it? Yeah, and, definitely and link one, it. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I always ask my client when they say I'm having a really hard time to detach from anything, whether it's emotion, mm -hmm. job, whatever, I ask them, what are you holding on to? And if we understand that everything we do in life has a payoff for us, like anything, even if it's not a behavior that may have a very noble payoff for us, mm -hmm. if we understand what that payoff is and how this payoff serves us, then we can be able to let go consciously. Okay. So, for example, um, one of the things that um, 
I had to let go in my life is that when I used to get frustrated is I would just shut down. So, for example, I was mad with my boyfriend and instead of talking to him about, you know, how I felt, I would just shut down and I would become resentful. Mm-hmm. Now, the payoff for me in that behavior was that I got to be right. Instead of opening in a conversation about mm-hmm. it and talking about my needs and saying, hey, this is important to me, I got to be right. I got to think he is a jerk. And it was kind of actually good for me, to be honest with you. It made me feel very superior, much smarter. And yet what's happened down the road is I realized that um, by opening a conversation and becoming vulnerable, I learned that some of those, that he's not a jerk, that he's just acting from a place that's important for him, Mm -hmm. right? Or just maybe his perspective is completely different on the situation and it's a complete miscommunication. Like I've definitely found that in situations as well. Yeah. So to answer your question, what are some strategies to let go? Um, start with the question as, what am I holding on to? So if you find yourself in a relationship or at a job or even doing the same thing over and over again, ask yourself, what am I really hanging on to here? So if you say to yourself, I want to I wanna, I wanna start exercising, yet I'm not exercising it, what's the payoff of not exercising? And it may not be as noble as, you know, I get to lose 10 pounds or whatever, but maybe is you know, I get to be the way I always was and it's mm-hmm. comfortable. You know, and it's comfortable for me, whereas going out there and exercising, that means trying something new and that's scary and yeah. I don't want to face my fear. Does that make, make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great strategy. Yeah. Um, kind of similar along the lines, do you have any kind of day-to-day strategies from transitioning your mindset from being fearful to grateful in situations that may appear to be negative? Yeah, um, <laughs> you may not like my answer, no. but... <laughs> but my strategy to um, my strategy to transition from being fearful to grateful is actually acknowledging your fear and understanding what you're afraid of. Okay, and then seeing what sort of the the story is there. So okay. I don't believe enough. Like I'm, I don't want to say I don't believe in affirmations, but I feel like I know personally if I'm pissed off. It's very hard for me to say, I am so grateful for my life. I am yeah. so happy this is happening to me. For me, what Thank I want to do is go punch somebody yeah. in the face, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so actually owning up to your feelings and saying yeah. to yourself, you know what? I feel this stuff right now. And if, it's only, if, if the only thing that you need to do is to stay there for five minutes, then stay there for five minutes and then mm-hmm. learn the lesson and be grateful for it. It is very hard to be grateful and, you know, appreciative when somebody stole your purse, right? So if you need to go and punch it back for five minutes to get it out of your system, you do that. Yeah. And they say, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm grateful somebody stole my purse because I got to buy a new one. Right? Yeah, but I think you hit the nail on the head in that you, like, can let out your frustrations, but you need to acknowledge and move on from them. And I think that's where people kind of fall short is that they'll continue to let it linger, like you said, and become resentful of the situation and create this kind of, like, I don't know, deep-seated bitterness um, instead of just acknowledging it and moving on and being like, at the end of the day, like, in five years from now, is this going to be significant? No. Okay, like, I'll have my five minutes of temper tantrum and then just get over it and, like, move on to the next thing, right? Yeah. So remember that balloon metaphor that I explained that a Mm -hmm. lot of the times it's either leaks or it explodes, right? Mm -hmm. And because uh, I'll I'll give you an example. I'm I'm working with a client right now that for 15 years she had an issue with her husband. Mm -hmm. 
And for 15 years, she, like it frustrated her a great deal. She never chose to talk about it. And every so often, they would have a fight about it. And they would say, okay, we're going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And, but they never dealt with this. And for 15 years, the thing was like a poison between them, right? Yeah. Up until eventually, finally, like the balloon has exploded. And mm-hmm. she said, enough. Like, I want to deal with this. And this is just, it has to get resolved. Yeah. Now, and finally, thing got resolved. But the question <laughs> is, like, are you going to allow your balloon to leak or you're going to be or you're going to wait till it explodes? Or what you're going to do is to actually acknowledge your feelings as they're happening. And I wouldn't say dispose of them, but mm-hmm. deal with them as they come up and let them pass through you. So that's the most effective strategy I found for peace, ease and effectiveness and and gratitude. Yeah, that's great. Like, seriously, a great strategy. Everybody should be implementing that. I can't remember where I heard this recently, but somebody was talking about just a metaphor for letting go of things. Like in the spring, when you do spring cleaning, you have this closet full of clothes, right? And you probably only wear like 25% of them, um, but they still remain in your closet. So it's that process of just like getting rid of all that stuff. So you have that 75%, like that room to grow and have like new things, uh, new experiences and like new, a new mindset, so to speak. Um, Absolutely. I love the stuff you don't think about or use or wear. Right. Absolutely. I would actually go a step further because right now everyone is, um, it's like the cleanses are all the rage and juice cleanses, right? So if we, if we take the time to clean up our physical environment, then we also go to the, to the effort of cleaning out our physical body, you know, Mm -hmm. of impurities and preparing it for whatever it is that we want the body to do. What about our nervous system? What about our emotional state, right? Like how, when was the last time we've taken the time to really assess, how does this serve me? You know, I have this belief, how does it, you know, which I believed 10 years ago, does it actually work for who I am today? Mm-hmm. Or is it time to release that? Yeah. One of those things that I used to really believe is that you really have to work hard to be successful. And things that I've been examining, I was like, really, is that true? So there's been a fair deal of experimentation happening for me, kind of seeing, okay, I don't know if it's true anymore, to be honest with you, and kind of oh, releasing the <laughs> secrets out. Yeah, the secret is out. Damn it. <laughs> oh, okay, so um, the final question I have for you today is, uh, what would you tell the 21-year-old version of yourself about life and kind of things that you wish you knew then that you know now? That's a great question. You know, I spent a fair deal, uh, like a fair amount of time ruminating on this mm-hmm. because send me the questions ahead of time and to tell you the truth the, the, what I would tell my 20 something year old self is the same thing I tell myself every day today is trust yourself mm-hmm. and I don't have any regrets about my life and you know there's I really believe that sometimes we have to go off track to come back to you know to the truth yeah uh, and it's essential for our growth but what I do know for a fact is that as my 20 year old something self I really never trusted myself. Those kind of breadcrumbs, once again, those feelings that came up for me mm-hmm. when I was sitting in class and, you know, the teacher was saying something, I wouldn't raise my hand to ask a question. If I had an idea, I always kind of squashed it down and said to myself, oh, it's too stupid. When I wanted to get pissed off at my boyfriend and say, like, you suck, right? <laughs> get out of here. I wouldn't do that. And the what I've over the last decade, what I've been slowly moving into is that 
when I trust myself, it doesn't mean that it makes my life easier. It doesn't mean that my life is perfect and there are unicorns and rainbows every day. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that it gets me to the truth faster. So if I spent five years on a relationship that I knew deep down should have ended after one year because it was just not right for me, mm -hmm. I spent five years trying to make it work. Whereas deep down, yeah. I, it was just not right for me. These days, it just happens a lot faster. And what I would leave the viewers of this webinar or this lunch and learn with is that it doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't like, where are you making it a lot harder than it needs to be? Mm -hmm. And by trusting yourself, it doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, all work out in a snap, but it's just going to be a lot easier. And I'm yeah. all about making things easier. <laughs> I'm lazy. Yeah. For me, like, I just always think about at the end of the day, like, when we die, all we're going to have left is our integrity, right? So were we really true to who we were, what, like you said, your core desired feelings were? And I mean, if you're constantly trying to do things to um, accommodate other people's expectations or what society thinks is like the norm, instead of just trusting yourself and what's right for you or having that gut instinct, I think um, it makes life a lot harder, like you said. So. And when you're talking about waking up, like one of the questions you asked, like, how do you wake up? Yeah. And I truly believe that we don't need to search for opportunities to wake up. If we just listen to ourselves and engage with our life as it is today, you're going to wake up faster than you ever will. Yeah. <laughs> that totally reminds me of that quote. It's like, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. It's yeah. not that like there's lucky people. It's just that, again, you're like, prepared and ready to take on opportunities when they present themselves. So yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, before we wrap it up, uh, for people that do want to go a bit further than the 14 day course, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what services you specialize in as a life coach? Yeah, so I do work with people one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things that I offer. I um, actually, as a part of the course, um, I'll be, whoever takes the course, I'll be offering, uh, I'll be making a special offer to people. It's called like a, a life clarity session. So awesome. you'll have an opportunity to work with me at a discounted rate. I mean, if you wanted to go beyond the, the 14 days and kind of explore life coaching for yourself, I do recommend just checking out my website, but I, I work with people one-on-one -on -one and, uh, it's very, very effective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, I, I don't really believe in packages and things like, oh, there is the prescription. Mm -hmm. I would say, give me a shout and let's talk about what is it you're looking to do and we'll figure it out for you. Yeah, that's amazing. And you work with people not just in Vancouver, correct? Like you have the opportunity to work all over the world. So Yeah. All over the world, as long as I don't have to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning to take your call. <laughs> I work with people all over the world. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to speak with us today. So I want to pose a challenge to our viewers. Post kind of what your biggest career fear is today and what you're afraid of and one strategy by which uh, you can uh, really combat that fear or how you're going to move forward to minimize it. So... Um, get involved in the conversation below. Uh, the Gold Zebra is a great community in that it's very supportive. We'll be sure to be online to uh, converse with you if you choose to challenge yourself to uh, declare your fears to the world. Um, and like I said, thank you so much. Um, any last words from you? Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. <laughs> yeah, thank you.